This Thanksgiving weekend on Art in the Air, our whole program features composer, lyricist, voiceover artist, music producer, and recording artist Emily Drennan sharing her musical journey plus a deeply personal 2023 song release about the tragic death of her father, I Know Your Name. Our spotlights on the one-man version of Dickens' A Christmas Carol with Jim La Pieta at Toll Theater running December 1st through the 10th. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart, express yourself to art, and show the world Welcome, you're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, WVLP 103.1 FM, and WDSO 88.3 FM. Our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant, South Shore Arts, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air is heard every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicmedia.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Media's website as a podcast. Also heard on Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live at wvlp.org, and Tuesdays at 4 p.m. on WDSO 88.3 FM. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Media. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. And we'd like to welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight. He's going to be doing a show at the Toll Theater, An Evening with Dickens. Uh, of course, it's a one-man The Christmas Carol, and it'll be running December 1st through the 10th and directed by our friend Jeff Casey. Please welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight, Jim LaPietra. Aloha. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself and the time that we have for this spotlight, and then we'll talk a little bit about the show, how it's got created, and everything like that. Well, I have been doing theater in Chicago for roughly 15 years, and Christmas Carol has been one of those shows that I I just seem to keep doing over and over. Uh, This will actually be my ninth production. (laughs) Um, And so this is is my version that I'm bringing to the toll. So you seek them out then? Yes, yes. So Dickens is no stranger to me. Uh, do you do any other Dickens uh, things other than the Christmas Carol? I, I know looking at your Facebook, you're involved in a lot of different things, but do you have any other versions of that, whether it be one man or otherwise? Um, not of my own. The one man version is my, is my I, I won't say my creation because it is based on something that goes way back. Uh, but I have, you know, I've been in several productions throughout Chicagoland, um, I've done a radio play version. I've done it on stage eight times already. So uh, I haven't ventured outside of Christmas Carol in terms of other Dickens work. 
though I have done a good deal of research into it. So what type of theater do you like to do? Uh, do you do musical things or do you prefer drama, comedy? I used to be almost exclusively musical comedy. <laughs> Uh, that was sort of my forte. Yeah, and your then, TikTok, 30 Days of Musicals was pretty Yes, funny. yes, I did this on my TikTok <laughs> every day for during the lockdown. Every day during, I, I would do a musical song um, <laughs> just to keep myself occupied. However, um, about probably about 10 years ago, I said, yeah, I want to I want to branch out more and I want to I want to start doing, you know, straight plays. And Christmas Carol was one of the first that came to me because uh, it's a great story. It's also a great ghost story. And it's one that I grew up with. So it seemed like a natural leap to say, you know, I'm going to try, I'm going to try something like this and step somewhat out of my comfort zone. Yeah. You, in your Instagram, I think it was, you listed a whole bunch of things that you're interested in. So do you, do you currently draw? I mean, I'm going to just list them. Drawing, acting, film, theater, animation, puppetry, singing, video games, musical theater, <laughs> eating, you know, there was like a whole list of <laughs> different things. So are you involved with all of those things or are they just interests? Uh, a lot of them are just interests, you know, mostly involved in theater, mostly involved in theater. Um, and I have done through theater, I've done some puppetry building and coaching. Um, I have, I've done a few film things as well, mostly sound based. And do you do animation or do you just enjoy it? I took a, I took a class on animation. Uh, oh man, this is probably 12 years ago now, but I took, I took just a very brief class on it and then I did a follow-up class to it. So I've learned a little bit about like, at the time, flash animation and and a little bit of CGI animation that I can do as well, which is it's a cool tool to yeah. have in your arsenal. I agree. Of course, flash is all gone now, so I keep getting right on my, my computer. I have flash, uh, I guess, installed and it keeps nagging me about uh, flash is no longer supported and everything. So that's great. When did you first put together the show? When did you kind of take it and uh, distill it into a one man thing? When was your first time out with it? About eight years ago, I was involved in, in in the town I live in. There was a holiday stroll that they, they do every year. And I was asked to read a, a storybook version of A Christmas Carol. And I did it, you know, every 20 minutes or so. It was very short. It was like 10 minutes long. And the following year, they asked me to come back and do it again and to make it a little bit longer. So I adapted this sort of one-man version that was about 20 minutes long. And the following year, we did it again, and we made it, you know, a little bit bigger. And now, all these years later, I'm doing it at the toll in a full two-act structure. It's the full story. So it's it's really grown exponentially from, from this little 10-minute segment that I did for a holiday party. <laughs> so are there... Um, are there multiple sets for this? Do you do multiple changes or are you in the same attire is, for the whole production? Well, I don't want to give too much away, but because a little we do teaser. Have what, what appears to be a very simple set has a lot of, we do a lot of tricks with lighting okay. and with sound. Um, what's really interesting about this iteration is that I'm not playing all the characters. I'm playing Charles Dickens playing all the characters so 
you can, you know, you can imagine what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Can you give us a line? Just one line maybe from it in the voice uh, that you use? Sure, sure. Um, this is from the opening of the show. I've endeavored in this ghostly little book to raise the ghost of an idea, which shall not put my readers out of humor with themselves, with each other, with the season, or with me. Yeah. May it haunt your houses pleasantly, and no one wish to lay it. Okay, Jim, real quick, give us uh, showtimes and uh, information. An Evening with Dickens or a one-man Christmas carol runs the first two weekends of December at the Toll Theater in Hammond. Tickets are $24. We appreciate you coming in on Art of the Air Spotlight. That's Jim LaPrietra, directed by Jeff Casey at the Toll Theater. Thank you so much for sharing this on Art of the Air Spotlight. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And a Spotlight Extra, Michigan City's Footlight Players will present the Fred Carmichael Mystery Murder on the Rerun, running December 1st through the 10th. Art on the Air Spotlight and the complete one-hour program on Lakeshore Public Media is brought to you by Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker. And as a reminder, if you'd like to have your event on Art on the Air Spotlight or have a longer feature interview, email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H, dot com. This is Pledge Week for your public radio station. And Art on the Air encourages our loyal listeners to support this station by making a monthly sustaining pledge so we may continue to bring you this great program. This is Memorial Opera House Executive Director Megan Stoner, and you are listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Media 89.1 FM and on WVLP 103.1 FM. We would like to welcome Emily Drennan to Art on the Air. Emily has been singing from a young age and grew up in an abundantly musical family. Many accolades, awards, and successes followed, and the honors continue. Emily is a published producer, lyricist, composer, and recording artist for TV and film, as well as a New York City Marathon finisher and Prices Right winner. Her latest release, I Know Your Name, is a tribute to her father. Aloha and welcome, Emily. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank Hi. you so much for having me. Well, Emily, we want to talk, and especially I want to even touch on your theater career. And I mean, in one of the shows, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, at some point in our interview, because like that show is not very often produced, but <laughs> sure. we want to know your origin story. And uh, like I like to say, how you got from where you were to where you are now. So tell us all about Emily. Sure. So I was born in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, and like uh, she said, I was born in a very musical family. My parents actually met in high school because of music. Um, they were high school sweethearts. My dad was two years older and uh, his sister was in my mom's class and he was a hotshot trumpet player. And um, he said, you know, I'm, I'm doing all these wonderful things. And the sister said, you need to meet this girl, Patty Hayes at the time. And my mom has perfect pitch and she's a brilliant musician <laughs> and he said uh you know i'll meet her whatever and the sister mary said she's better than you are you need to meet her and he was like no way no way and he <laughs> met her and he was like oh yeah she's definitely better <laughs> than I am. and so he said well I'm, I'm staying with you ever since so they were high school sweethearts um went to college at oklahoma state and then my dad went to law school and my mom got her master's um there at ou as well and so i grew up always with music around me. Uh, it was just in our house listening to, you know, Beethoven and Karen Carpenter and Sergio Mendez and Brazil 66 and Motown, Chicago. We just listened to so many things. And I grew up going to concerts and, you know, my mom was also 
the high school music teacher. And so, so many times, at least twice a month, we were at a concert. So I was just enveloped in music from a very early age. And I started, I think my first concert was maybe three or four. There was kind of a little music preschool. It was Miss Kay's music school. And um, we went and we learned kind of about rhythm and things. And I got to be Miss Piggy in one of the <laughs> uh, one of the productions, singing a little song. And, and La Cucoracha was actually one of my favorite uh, songs that I did. I had a little dress and, and sang that. And interestingly, I, I also started singing in church. And um, there was one time that was the family falala. And I'm, I'm not sure my brother had been born yet, because um, I think I was maybe four and we were going to do a Sandy Patty song and uh, we were all rehearsed and uh, you know I was going to do a great job and I got up there and they did not have a pink microphone and I <laughs> apparently refused to go on and so my because you know the little pop filter on the mic and I wanted it to be pink and my mom was like Emily you need to get up there my dad was like no don't push her babe like we don't want to like scar her for, for life from performing. <laughs> and so um so I guess I didn't go on I thought gosh were my child my child I would have done the same thing said no we practiced this we're, <laughs> we're doing it whatever we need to do but um so I grew up singing in church and that was really a safe haven as well to sing a lot of things, try a lot of things with little to no judgment. Um, and I also grew up singing in choir. Uh, once I got to my mom's uh, choir, I was able to be in her show choir and choirs as well. Um, so it was just a place where I, I had so many wonderful friendships and wonderful people and got to sing such a diverse style of music. You know, we did classical and jazz and pop and even a little bit of rock. And um, it was just a place where I could, I could really sing and do a lot of different things. And um, my senior year of high school, I auditioned for, I applied for uh, what's now called is a program called Young Arts. Um, then it was called the National Foundation for Advancements of the Arts. And um, they had you send in a cassette tape at the time of you singing a few songs and just kind of detailing, you know, what you'd kind of done to that point, which, <laughs> you know, a senior in high school, you hadn't done a lot. Um, and so, so were I you writing? In, were you writing at that point? Did you write I was music a at that little point? bit. Yeah, I was a little bit. You know, my mom is a composer as well. And she now she's had three million, you know, copies of her music sold of, of secular and sacred music. And so I, I dabbled in it a little bit. I, I'm not sure if I had anything published at that point, like as a choral piece. Um, but I was writing a little bit. But what I sang were just standards. Um, Sunday Kind of Love, I know, was one of them. Orange Colored Sky was one of them. And um, so I, and, and the reason I saw this is because in the high school counselor's guidance office, I saw a poster that just said, oh, if you're a singer, something applied. And I was like, okay, you know, why not? Why so not? I applied and um, it was funny because I, you know, I didn't think anything of it. And this package came in the mail um, one day and it had all this stuff and it said, you won. We're inviting you to go to Florida to work um, for a week. We're paying for it for a master class with all these people, um, and that was really an impetus for me because it was it was one of two people in the United States that were chosen in pop vocal, which is what I did. Um, and I think at that point there were eight thousand one hundred applicants in different disciplines, um, different artistic disciplines. But um, yeah, we 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 got this package in the mail. And I was like. Are you kidding? Like, what? What's? What is all this? Um, so I ended up going and working with Bonnie Herman of Singers Unlimited and some other wonderful people. Um, but that was really a springboard to say, hey, maybe I could actually 
consider this as a career. Um, because before I was like, oh, I know I can sing. I know it's a tough business. I want to do other things as well. And, um, it, that was a, that was a light bulb that was like, Hey, maybe, maybe I could do this. Um, and, and with that, so that you have all the art scholars and then the top level, if you are level one or level two, after the week is finished, where you have, um, kind of a performance of sorts for adjudicators, if you're level one or two, you win some money and uh, a distinction, and then you can apply to be a national presidential scholar in the arts. And so I did that. I ended up being a level one winner, um, which was incredible. And it's so funny. I'll, I'll get teary thinking about it. But um, I found out that I was a national presidential scholar because my parents came in on a Saturday morning. It was the day before my birthday. And I was on the front page of the paper and it said, you know, Emily Drennan is a national presidential scholar, um, which is really incredible. Um, the first thing, of course, <laughs> as a high school senior, I said was, oh, I can't believe they picked that picture. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, come on. My parents like, Emily, you know, <laughs> it's, it's 8 a.m. on a Saturday morning for a high school senior. But um, with that came a full scholarship to Oklahoma State University for five years. And it, it was just a springboard of a lot of wonderful things. But that's such a great memory that I have of my parents coming in, particularly my dad coming in, you know, like, what is this? What is this? Um, so yeah, it was, it was a very special moment. So from there, I did go to Oklahoma State while I also studied at Belmont University um, on my breaks and things. And I went to OSU for five years where I was the vocalist for the jazz band and also sang in concert chorale. So it was still um, getting that classical and also the jazz. And so I got to do a lot of things. And I'd sing the national anthem for sporting events, um, which was really funny. It was It's funny, too, because, you know, you as a singer, you're always having to kind of rehearse and there are practice rooms, but... Sometimes you you can't go for various reasons. And when I was singing the national anthem, <laughs> I was in an apartment complex where I was kind of practicing and I didn't finish the song. And on the other side of the wall, it was like, and, the and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. And somebody else finished the song on the other <laughs> side. <laughs> and I was like, and I, I went even over to the door. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm singing the national anthem for the game downstairs. I have to kind of warm up. I'll be done in just a few minutes. Um, so was that but, an outside? Was that an outside yeah, or an inside? That that one was an outside one. I think for that particular one, I think it was for like an OU OSU Bedlam baseball game or something. I, I also did it like with the Thunder. I've, I've done the National Anthem a lot of times. Um, but that one was for a baseball game, I think, because it was in the summer. And um, yeah, it was like, oh, gosh, I feel I feel bad. At least it was in the middle of the day. It wasn't like I'm singing at 9 o'clock or something and a.m. or p.m. But um but yeah, it, it was fun. But OSU really gave me a lot of wonderful opportunities to sing in a variety of ways and pursue my degrees and other things. That was something that was really important to me to be able to get degrees in things where I could work in the business side of the music. So my first degree is economics, second degree is in Spanish, and then I have minors in finance, marketing, international business, and Latin American studies. Um, so a lot. I know I read all of that and I went, how, how does that day get organized for you? <laughs> I know I, I am, I'm, I, I'm certainly a type A person. So, um, I have that organizational skill to kind of put everything and pack everything in there. But there were times where I didn't actually petition the school to take more hours there. I think there was one semester 
I only did it once because it was it was a lot. But um, I think I did 21 hours oh. with wow. all the extracurricular wow. stuff. <laughs> uh, so it was a lot. I didn't do that the first the freshman year. You know, you really need to take a lot less to just get your bearings of school and just a totally different way pace. of doing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was really the advice of my dad that said, you know, don't take too much. You want to make sure you get your GPA set you get comfortable because there's so much newness there and you're just trying to, you, you really learn who you are and who you're becoming in those years in college and who you want to be. And so, uh, that was great advice to not do too much at the beginning and certainly towards the end, <laughs> it was, it was a lot. Um, so, so Emily, did your, was your father also a singer and did you also pick up instruments as well as singing? So I, pl- I played the piano starting Gosh, I would say maybe at age six or seven. Um, and so my dad was not a singer. He he would definitely say, nope, I'm not a singer. <laughs> uh, it was funny. Sometimes if we'd sing something in church, I would get the giggles because I'd listen to him and I'd say, no, like you need to change your lyrics a little bit and open your bow. And, uh, my mom was definitely the singer. She has perfect pitch and um, she has a fantastic style vocally. So I, so I got the vocal singing, you know, uh, Gene from her, but my dad played euphonium, baritone, piano, and, and they actually put themselves through college at OSU playing in bands and, in, and not only the marching band there, but they would, they had a side gig as the Jim Drennan Quartet and the Chip Cooper Quartet. It depend who booked it, the drummer, which is who his best friend or my dad booked it. <laughs> they changed the name of the group <laughs> along the way. It's very clever. And, I was, right? And so they, they made quite a bit of money in college just playing at various events and things. Um, and so so I, I, we knew I'd do piano and I wanted to do piano because then you could just read music and know how to do that. So I, I stuck with piano along the way. My brother um, played saxophone as my mom did too and was in band and he was an all-state sax, brother, uh, sax player. Um, and he didn't do the singing route. He was like, Emily's got that covered. I, I don't want to, because everybody, you know, oh, do you sing as well? And I think he probably got, he's a good singer, but I think he got tired of <laughs> answering that question. Um, so we all, we all kind of had our little niche here and there um, to do various different things. I don't, we never really performed all together, aside from a few times my mom, my brother, and I did a few times. Uh, which my dad was in heaven for that. Every every year at Christmas, because it was a Christmas tune, he would bring that up. Do you remember when you guys sang this all together? And mm. My brother rolls his eyes. Oh yes, I I would. You know, I remember the twelfth time you told me. You know. So what about uh, your children? Do they favor singing or instruments? It's, or? it's so interesting. So Jameson just turned five, and Graham is two. Um, and it's interesting to see how their pitch develops and rhythm develops at this age too. Jameson uh, has an amazing memory for lyrics and for just picking out different styles of music. We actually took a video of him when he was two where we kind of did a drop the needle and he could name 30 different songs that we had played over the course of a few months, but he'd play two measures. Oh, that's Elton John. Oh, that's John Batiste. Oh, that's Beethoven, Taylor Swift. And like, and barely he could even speak, but he could figure out who these artists are. So that's really kind of his gift. He really is starting to like the piano as well. Even my husband was saying this morning, we have a piano that used to be my office that is his bedroom. <laughs> that in New York, you've got to make do what you have to do. So he has a, a full you know, real piano in there. So he was kind of playing and opens up like a little board book and just kind of 
sings the lyrics to that and plays the piano and, and stuff. Graham loves to sing. He will sing all day. Even when I wake up first thing in the morning, it's generally because Graham is singing, not my alarm. <laughs> so he's just in his crib <laughs> singing things. And, and he's so sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet. His little, little voice. And he, he has these little songs. And um, yeah, it, and he has actually really great pitch. It's very, and he has great rhythm too. He, if we want him to do something, we actually say, okay, if you do this, then you can play the drums. And we have some drumsticks, and he plays the drums. So I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse that he has good rhythm, because that means a lifetime. A lifetime it's wonderful. Of Percussion is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's great. As long as, as long as we maybe move to a larger apartment and have, have some sound shields or something. <laughs> <laughs> I always used to tease percussionist notes. We don't need no stinking notes. And right. <laughs> you know, you look back in band or orchestras and you look back there and say, these guys are just making it up back there. They're not following. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Um, but I mean, my, my parents and, and my husband as well, my husband was a saxophonist at Notre Dame playing in the marching band. Um, so I'm hopeful that they'll either be in choir or orchestra or band or a combination thereof because because music is just so even if it's not a profession it's so important just for the mind and i mean it's so mathematical yeah, too you just learn yeah it's yeah, just the, the arts, arts in music. general yeah it's so it's so important so i always try to if they're save the arts you know programs or save the music and things we try to, to we try to support that because that's just such a a wonderful thing for children to enrich their lives in a multitude of different ways. And so your children, do they enjoy the visual arts as well? Do they like to create in that way? Yeah, they do. Jameson actually really loves painting. Um, so we kind of have an easel where he will paint and Graham likes coloring a little bit. He's still a little young to get too much into some things, you know, he'll stamp and we will give him Play-Doh and things like that. Um, but he, he is very quick to make a mess between, between the <laughs> two. <laughs> we say it's funny because on the playground, Jameson's pointing out the people who aren't wearing a helmet, who aren't following the rules, who, you know, that motorcycle, he, we even stopped one time the police officers who we've befriended and he said well there was somebody driving by who wasn't wearing a helmet I didn't get his license plate but you watch out for him you know oh, right. and, and, and so Graham, observant oh my gosh. Oh, gosh oh he is he's definitely he, he gets a little bit of that type A from me Graham is the first one that will jump off a table and you know paint the wall and break something he's he's you leave him for two seconds and uh if there's if he's quiet and and 30 seconds have gone by something's happening for sure so So emily i see you have some theater in your career and i said at the top of the show a best little whorehouse in texas i remember when they first came out they couldn't even say that on television the best little in texas but tell us about some of your theater uh roles that you've had over the years yeah so i i've done a lot of different things um and I've had a, a lot of wonderful opportunities to do to do some fun shows. Uh, my first show, actually, in New York was a show called Toxic Audio, which was off-Broadway. Um, it was just within maybe six months of moving to New York. And um, it was so funny because the theater, I lived on 42nd Street for quite a few years, and that was my first apartment when I lived in New York. And the theater was a six-minute walk from my apartment. And so I went because I was like, oh, this is interesting. But I mostly went because it was very close. <laughs> it was an easy commute. It's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go. And um, it was all a cappella, which I had grown up doing. You know, I, I read music very well because of, of all the studies I did in college and in high school and just having parents where you, you studied piano. And um, so 
uh, just tuning and intonation was something I really enjoyed. And they just had us sing things in acapella and kind of do a call and response. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is super easy. And they're like, uh, do you want this gig? And I was like, uh, yeah, like I didn't really feel like I was auditioning. Um, well, there's an off-Broadway show that subsequently we did later in Las Vegas um, at Planet Hollywood and at the Luxor and kind of travel internationally with that too. And to tack on other acapella, I think it was, gosh, eight, maybe 10 years later, I ended up doing another off-Broadway acapella show um, called Boca People. And that was one where uh, I went to the audition. I was like, oh, I love acapella. This is great. And it was like a week-long audition of different things because it's kind of like Blue Man Group meets acapella. So you're, you're painted white. Like you look you, like you look like an alien. That's the whole premise that they're aliens that come down to Earth and kind of save the world and go back to their planet with music, Planet Boca. And um, that was one that was, it was a crazy, crazy adventure. And in both of these acapella shows, um, the people who are in the cast are still some of my lifelong friends. But for that show, I ended up booking it and had to fly to uh, China, like the next day after I signed the contract, because I was doing like a gig in, in China. I mean, it was this weird, like a five or 10 year stint where I just traveled the world doing all of these shows, which was really incredible. Um, and so I flew back after China and they're like, oh, the show is in Israel. And we had, we had learned the show in Israel. Um, so it was this wonderful time where we got to see the Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee, you know, all of these incredible historic monuments and, and things that are still there to this day and learn the show. And there were certainly some crazy things where we're living, you know, on a kibbutz and, and it, it was just wild. Um, but getting to see Rehovot and Tel Aviv and just be in that place with these people learning the show um, was really incredible. And so, and so after that, we came back, did it off Broadway for about a year and a half. And then I got to do tours of Dubai and Japan as well with the show. So wow. just getting to see the world, you know, on somebody else's dime and get to perform and, you know, bring joy to other people. It, it's just really been incredible to, to be able to travel and do that and get to perform at the same time. Like that's, that's not lost on me how, how wonderful an opportunity that's been. Um, and gosh, I'm trying to think of other shows. Uh, another show that was wonderful that kind of, I did a callback to 10 years maybe 10 years later, gosh, um, maybe seven years later, was the Radio City Christmas Spectacular. Um, so I did that uh, for the anniversary year. So I'm on the DVD, the Netflix and uh, NBC DVD and everything for that. <laughs> and um, that was just a wonderful experience as well. I'm, I'm the joy to the world soloist at the very end. And um, I did it later for the spring show, which was a spring spectacular that Mia Michaels um, was a choreographer for. And um, that was just a really cool show because it wasn't the typical Christmas show that you know. So it really featured the Rockettes in a really beautiful way. They just got to do different styles of dance. Um, and then the, the music was a little more rock. And it was the first time they had the LED projectors on the walls of Radio City. Um, which I think they spent like two or three million dollars on them, <laughs> but they really are spectacular. Like you can't walk away from that show, whether you like it or don't, without saying that was a spectacle. Like that was spectacular. Like even one of the songs, it was raining. They were dancing literally in the rain. And then, you know, they have a, a scene where they, you know, push it off again. But um, that, that was really incredible. And I was a swing for that show, which means I didn't have to do 
every show. So I had my own dressing room and was ready to go, but then I would get to do it sometimes. Um, so it was really, really fun. And, and more than that, last year was the first time I got to take my son Jameson to the show. And so it was really, it was really a full circle moment where we sat there, we got the little radio city bear. And, um, he even said, do you think they're going to ask you to sing, you know, before it starts? And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> and I said, certainly not for free either, but, <laughs> but no. So we, we sat there and he enjoyed it. And you just got to see the wonder of that show through a child's eye and seeing Santa Claus. And that was just really special to be able to share that with him. So we had a little date. And so he's, he's already asked now, like, have you booked our tickets for a radio city date? You know, we'll get to go again. He has a little bow tie. Really nice and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How cute. You're listening to art on the air with our guest today, singer songwriter, Emily Drennan on Lakeshore public media, 89.1 FM and on WVLP 103.1 FM. So moving into composing, and uh, you've done that, and we'll talk about uh, your journey in in doing composing and some of the stuff you've early released, and we'll move up to one of your more current things. But tell us a little about that journey. Yeah, so I, I really started composing with my mom. Since she was kind of already in that world, I started writing lyrics for her. Um, and, and I started originally with just children's music. Um, uh, she's she's always been able to play anything in any key at any moment. She's one of those people that you're like, oh, how do you even do that? And it's just easy for her. She doesn't even think about it. But lyrics were something that were much easier for me and, and just rhyming things. And she always didn't want to do the lyrics. She said, oh, I don't want it. And I said, well, let me, let me try. And um, so we, we published, I don't know, maybe 10 together um, doing that for some children's songs. And then I started doing lyrics for some of her other sacred and secular work as well. And at that time, I started kind of dabbling in just playing songs for myself just to, you know, kind of have something on my own. I thought, oh, you know, she's the songwriter. Like, I'm the singer. We kind of have our established areas. Like, I don't need to jump into that. Um, but I thought that, you know, I kept getting kind of melodies and things. And so I would just tape them. And, and I still do that now. If I get a melody, I just sing into my voice memo or a lyric. I'll kind of write it down at any point. And I kind of made a deal with myself that if I have any lyric or melody that comes to mind, I have to write it down instead of saying, ah, oh, I'll remember it later or, oh, I don't like it. I'm not going to, I say, nope, I write it down. If I don't ever get to it again, that's fine. But I'm, it's at least keeping myself honest with and, and having integrity in that process of, okay, something's coming to me and I, I, I need to give it an opportunity to come to fruition. Um, so writing other songs later on, I started doing for my first album, I worked with another songwriter, Terry Silverlight, cause we were doing stuff for TV and film and we met cause I was, I was singing, I'm a member of Redeemer church here in New York and he was playing and, and they, they hire, um, a lot of musicians who are professional musicians. You know, he's played with Roberta Flack and a ton of different people. He's a percussionist and, um, and so, and some of the people go to the church there and some of them don't. Um, but uh, we, we started kind of doing things. He said, Hey, would you, you know, like to sing on some of this stuff? I'd, I'd like to hear what you could do. And I was like, sure. Um, so we started working together and doing some songs. So a, a few of those songs are from him. And honestly, the, the time that I probably wrote the most was after I had gone through, as most people, one of their material comes out of <laughs> a breakup is, uh, I'd had a breakup and I, and I just started writing a lot of lyrics and kind of playing on the piano with some of that as well. Um, so a lot of the songs, particularly on my first album on the black side, 
there's two sides of the heart, the white side and the black side. A lot of the black side songs <laughs> originated <laughs> from that breakup. Um, but uh, so I just started kind of putting things together it, it kind of in that format. And, and it depends also on the album or otherwise. If I, I generally don't accompany myself um, just because I like to be a little more present in the moment and kind of see the audience members. Um, and I also, and one of the benefits of being in New York is you know lots of people who are perfect in their field. And so it, I, I'm a great piano player, but I know phenomenal piano players. And so I'd rather use them if I can, um, you know, and, and let me kind of shine in, in my own arena. Um, but yeah, I just kind of do, started kind of doing that over time and writing things down. I still have a whole book of things I'd like to put together even more, but children certainly usurp a lot of that time that <laughs> I used well, to they have. do both. They inspire. Right. And they, they do. You know. it's, it's so wonderful. I, I tell people too, you know, children are wonderful and chaos, sometimes heavy on the wonderful, <laughs> sometimes heavy on the chaos. Yeah. And that's you a know. forever, that's a forever yeah. thing. That's not a really <laughs> like from into the woods, you know, uh, be careful of the things you say. Children will listen. So, Oh my goodness. Yes. For better <laughs> or worse, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, so Emily, I would like to ask about the genesis of, I know your name, if you're comfortable talking sure. about that story before we feature the song. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I can't promise that I won't cry, <laughs> but, yeah. but I'll tell you. Um, so my father on April 5th um, was killed by the recklessness of someone else. And, you know, it's one of those things. And I, I recently did a different interview about this too. And it's just one of those things where you're just never prepared for that moment. It's just, just the moment that you dread um, your entire life. And I think anybody who's experienced something like that or a sudden or tragic loss would say the same thing. And, you know, he was just, as you've heard, he was just such a wonderful encourager uh, and inspiration to me in a lot of ways. Um, so I knew that I wanted to say something about what happened and to do it musically um, because music has just been such a part of our family and it's also so transcendent. Um, and so I, I started writing it just in my grieving process as a way to heal. And I knew I'd probably want to share it in some capacity, but I wasn't exactly sure how, but I just started it, writing it. Did it start out as a song or did it start out as feelings? It started out as a song. I knew it would be a song, but it started out with the lyrics for sure. And the lyrics ebbed and flowed over time because um, the lyrics were not as nice <laughs> as, as they are now, certainly, because I wanted to encapsulate in the song the anger and the bitterness mm -hmm. that can be there in a loss like that, and really in any loss. Um, and it's always there with grief, but also the love and the hope that is also there, and particularly in that relationship that I had with my dad. And so I wanted to work through all of those feelings and keep some of them there and keep some of them really raw and try to bring also the hope and the joy and the, the high road. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's exactly what my dad taught me to do is to be the bigger person, to take the high road and to continue putting one foot in front of the other. Um, so that, that's what I was trying to do. So I, I started with the lyrics and the melody generally always 
comes to me at the same time. And then I kind of play with lots of chords around it. And um, it kind of just grew from there. I, I knew since the, the verse, the first and the second verse are completely juxtaposed yet parallel. So the first verse is about the man who killed my father. And the second verse is about my father. And so it's both of them, the exact same scenarios lyrically, but it's, it's changed with who they are. Like it's, I know your name. I know what you were doing to that, that day. You know, I know my dad's name. I know what he was doing that day. Um, and so also with the instrumentation, I wanted to continue with that stark difference. So the first verse is really hollow and it has open fifths and it doesn't have a lot of color or movement or lots of whole notes. And it, it is meant to feel uneasy and that there's a void there. And then the verse with dad, I just picture a green garden. It's just lush and moving and joyful and vibrant. Um, there are lots of, yeah, there, there's harmony, there are thirds, there are eighth notes, there are strings, there's, there's just more. Um, and so I, I knew as we were kind of creating that, I wanted to have that, that starkness and that difference. And I, and I brought in my husband too. My husband's a producer um, as well. We own a, a company, Rock City Music, um, that produces albums and, and symphony shows around the country too. And I brought him in and also two other arrangers just so I could bounce their ideas off of it and um, kind of get their thoughts as well. Cause it's always, even if you have something amazing, it can always be better or perfected with other people taking a look at it. And so um, they were gracious enough to be a part of that too. And, and Rachel's a phenomenal piano player um, who lives in New York and I've worked with her and, and the style that she does is really what I wanted. So I knew if she would have me, I would, I wanted her <laughs> to play. <laughs> there are plenty of times she's like, why don't you just play? And I said, nope, you're much better than I am. I, I want you to do it. Um, and Adrian Mann, um, who's done several string arrangements for us, he's with the Fort Wayne Philharmonic, actually. Mm. Um, and so he, he did the strings, uh, the string arrangement. And I kind of said, I, I played it. I kind of have a MIDI keyboard where I can play the strings and different instruments, how I envision it and how I'd like it to hear. And then I kind of say, okay, now if you could do some of your magic that supersedes mine, <laughs> it would be great. And he, he always is, is up to that task. He's, he's fantastic. Um, so it kind of came together that way. And initially, we did not have an intro um, and weren't sure what we wanted to do with the ending and the outro. And as we kind of played along with it, we decided at the beginning, we wanted those first four chords to have that same kind of intro, almost like an introduction to what we're going to talk about. So it has that, it has some thirds in it, but it has that openness and a little bit of that void and that grief already in, and the tension that's there. And the ending is the same, that it still, it continues. It doesn't really evolve or, or it doesn't resolve like grief doesn't resolve, but it's also in the higher octave, which kind of represents a little bit more hope after remembering the memories that you had, remembering everything that you've created with that person that cannot ever be taken away, there's a little bit more of a lightness to that. And so we wanted to try to do that um, with the instrumentation as well. Well, Emily, let's take a listen to that. It's Emily Drennan, and it's I Know Your Name. I know his name 
The one that shook it all away I know his address I'd like to drive by just to say That in that moment He changed everything for me His carelessness and recklessness Changed my reality I knew his job Where he was going on that day I know his family How they'd all probably say It sometimes happened But there are lies there with it And this I know I'll not forget I am and where we've been He can take away the memories Of everything we made He can take away the laughter The music will not fade He can take away the dreams Of all we did and all we are The pain a shadow but there's beauty in the sky I know your name the one who gave me everything I know your address the one who raised me in a way to make the best of everything and anything to keep believing, not give up As lofty as it seemed I knew your job Helping others every day I know our family How we'd all surely say How could this happen? But there is strength there within And this I know I'll not forget Seems like forever But I'm 
of everything we made. We still have the laughter. The music will not fade. We still have the dreams of all we did and all we are. The pain is like my shadow, but there's beauty in. The scar. Forever beauty in that scar. And wow, that was uh, after hearing the story. That was Emily Drennan's uh, "I Know Your Name," and uh, it's it's amazing. I, I'm just uh, awestruck with that. Thank you. You're listening to Art on the Air with our guest today, singer-songwriter Emily Drennan on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, and on WVLP, 103.1 FM. Now, I know you explained the, the ending part, and, and yes, musically I can hear it, but those last words of yours, I mean, that's where, for me, that's where, like, it was like the ultimate in devastation, those, yeah. that last, I mean... Yeah, it, w- it was really important for me to keep that section raw and genuine mm. and honest. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm crying through those those last few few phrases. Yeah, you can um, hear it. Yeah, because it's also very important to me for anybody who's experiencing grief to know that all of those emotions are valid, all the tears are real, and they're important to shed. Um, and so, I didn't want to take the best take and the cleanest take that you might for another song. I wanted this to be as real as possible. And that was, that was my truth. And that is my truth. And you submitted this uh, being a Grammy voter myself uh, for consideration for the current year Grammys. So I know on November 10th, you'll hear how that went. So, yeah, I know it's, you you never know how it's going to go. You know, I, I was able to chat with and meet with a lot of people who really positively, um, understood and, and felt the song. And, and it's amazing to me if, of course, it would be the ultimate beauty from ashes if, if I received a nomination. Um, but if I don't, the number of people who said to me, you know, I lost my sister or my father was murdered when I was four or I lost my brother and this song helped me. Um, it's the reason why I do it. You know, I, I hate to be so teary about it, but that that's what makes me emotional is that what happened to my dad can help somebody else through my music. Well, and we so appreciate beautiful. you sharing the story behind that is so important because, you know, hearing it and everything, you know, when we, when I first contacted you about being on the show and everything, but, uh, yeah, t- t- taking you on that, taking your listeners and, on that journey. It's uh, such a sharing. You know, we only have about a minute left and we want to give you a chance to let people know how to find you. And then we're going to play out with what the king is this and tell us a little bit about that. So Emily, tell us a little bit about that. Sure, sure. You can, you can find me on emilydrennan.com. You can email me from there. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all of those wonderful things. Um, so please feel free to reach out, send a message. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and yes, uh, this next song is an acapella song I did 
every single part of it. It's a Christmas tune, which is a mashup of We Three Kings and What Child Is This? Oh, and it. it kind of, it brings I my... I just love it. I love it. <laughs> yes. I love it. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Yeah, I wanted to bring all those, that acapella background and all the harmonies, um, you know, just into play. And it was during COVID. So I was like, I can't really be with anybody else. So I'm going to record all the parts. And um, I, had, I had a lot of fun putting it together. So yeah, I definitely hope everyone enjoys it as well. Yeah, well, it's incredibly lush and gorgeous. Emily, yeah, thank you. this has been a wonderful interview. We appreciate you coming on Art in the Air and sharing your deeply told story, your music, and it's just been an absolute pleasure meeting you, uh, not just through the FYC like you see on the Facebook, but all that. Emily Drennan, you can find her at EmilyDrennan.com. You'll have a link on our website. She's also on Facebook. And uh, now we'll be listening to Dong. What King Is This? Thank you so much for coming on Art of the Air. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Emily. I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Yeah, you too, you too. This has really been lovely. Thank you guys so much for having me. Ding dong, 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 What king is this? What king is this? 
We'd like to thank our guests this week on Art on the Air, our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art on the Air is heard Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Media, 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicmedia.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Media's website as a podcast. Art on the Air is also heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live at wvlp.org. Our spotlight interviews are heard every Wednesday on Lakeshore Public Media. Thanks to Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operation for Lakeshore Public Media, and Greg Kovach, WVLP's Station Manager. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant, South Shore Arts, and the National Endowment for the Arts. We'd like to thank our current underwriters for Lakeshore Public Media, Macaulay Real Estate in Valparaiso, Olga Patrician, Senior Broker. And for WVLP, Walt Reitinger of Paragon Investments. So we may continue to bring you Art in the Air. We rely on you, our listeners and underwriters, for ongoing financial support. If you're looking to support Art on the Air, we have information on our website at breck.com AOTA, where you can find out how to become a supporter or underwriter of our program in whatever amount you are able. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. You'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart, express yourself through art, and show the world your heart.